And, uh, well, tonight uh, I had people tell me, oh, you should preach on this, preach on that. I had somebody, well, you preached on hope last time, so you need to preach on change this time. And I just thought, well, no, you know what, I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you'd all open in your Bibles with me to Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, tonight we won't, well, I guess sort of we'll be preaching on change, but we'll be preaching on uh, the ministry of reconciliation. And uh, as soon as you uh, find uh, 2 Corinthians 5, um, if you'd stand with me for the reading of God's word, we'll uh, begin in verse 17 in 2 Corinthians 5. And starting in verse 17, the Bible reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to come uh, and worship before you, Lord. We, we uh, just praise you for the opportunity to, uh, to come around your word and, and to learn from it and to hear from it preached. Lord, I pray that you'd fill us all with your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would teach us. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and with power. And I pray that your word would not return void. And I pray that you'd do great and wondrous things and teach us from your word, I pray tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all may be seated. So, what does reconciliation really mean? We, uh, we use, I mean, there's some words in our English vocabulary today that we don't really use a whole lot. Uh, I mean, there are some words like, uh, I don't know, anti-disestablishmentarianism. One of those big words that you never really use, and I, I can't remember the last time I used that. Or, or something like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And uh, just a funny side note with that, I typed that in my computer, and of course I had no idea how to spell it. And it was on Word, so I pushed the space bar, and a little red squiggly line went under. I was like, okay, yeah, it's, of course it's going to say it's misspelled. So I clicked on it to see what the right spelling was, and it actually has the correct spelling. <laughs> I was just, uh, I was amazed. But yeah, that's a side note. But, but there's all these, uh, these big words sometimes that we use um, in our vocab, that we don't use in our vocabulary today. And uh, reconciliation is probably one of them. I, I can't remember the last time I talking to my friend. I said, hey, uh, mention reconciliation and start talking about that. It's, it's not a word that we commonly use. And I think of other big words that maybe we're more familiar with, something like justification. It's, it's one of those big words that maybe we know a little bit more about. And then there's others like theophany or hypostatic union or this or that, all these big words that, that we don't really use, but, but they have big and true meaning to them that, that can help us in our lives. And reconciliation is one of those words. Reconciliation, it means to call back into union and friendship whose affections have been alienated. 
to restore to friendship or favor after estrangement. To bring back together because that, that relationship, that friendship has been torn apart, has been destroyed. Sometimes you, people will file for divorce because of irreconcilable differences. Because they couldn't work together, because it couldn't work. There was no reconciliation there. And this word reconciliation, this, here in this passage, Paul writes about it several times, about reconciliation, being reconciled. And tonight I'd just like to share with you three aspects of reconciliation. Uh, how Paul writes about reconciliation and how it is so vital in our lives. And how that God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And I believe first off, the first aspect we can look at is the word of reconciliation. And in verse 19, he says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It says here that God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And this word of reconciliation is the gospel of Christ. As, as we've seen, what reconciliation means, to reconcile means to bring together, back together, because that relationship has been destroyed. And that, rec- that re- relationship with Christ, with God, has been destroyed because of sin. But God has given us the word of reconciliation to bring that back together. And the gospel message is that truth That God uses to bring us back. Because he died on the cross. Because he saved us. That is that reconciliation. That word of reconciliation that God has given to us. And I believe the first aspect of this word is that Christ was made sin for us. In verse 21 it says, For he hath hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. Christ who was perfect. Who knew no sin. who, Who committed no sin at all was made sin for us. Christ, he, he was made and took upon him sin. He, he, he took sin into his own body when he died on the cross for us. In 1 Peter two twenty one through 24. For even hereunto ye were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Think of the Almighty God. Jesus Christ could have stopped it all. Jesus Christ did not have to die on the cross. Jesus, at any time, it says he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called however many angels. He could have just stopped it all at once. But he didn't. He willingly went to the cross. He willingly died for our sins. He willingly went through all that pain, all that suffering, all that agony, and he uh, on top of all that, he took our sins on his own self. He, he bare in his body our sins. And he did it all because he loved us. Because he cared for us. Because 
because of the love he has for us is unimaginable. Un, uh, there's no, we can't explain it. We can't understand it. It's a love that is just beyond measure that God has for us. And he went through so much for us. And this word of recon- reconciliation, because Jesus Christ was made sin for us and, and took upon him all that sin, all of our sin, and paid for it on the cross. That is such, it's such an amazing truth that we should remember, that we should share, that we should tell others that Christ, he was made sin for us and died willingly to pay for our sins. But not only that, a second part to this word of reconciliation is that God will freely receive us. As we've seen, the definition of reconciliation is to bring back together. And this word of reconciliation, the, the reason why Christ died was to bring us back to himself. Think of why God created us in the first place. Think of why did God create us? So that he could have fellowship with us. So that we could walk with him and he could walk with us and talk with us. Think of Adam and Eve. God created Adam and walked with him in the garden and talked with him and spent time with him. That's why God created us. Was for that fellowship to to be reconciled back to himself. And in Corinthians, uh, in Colossians 1.20, it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Christ, he died on the cross to bring us back to himself. God created us to walk with him and to talk with him. But because of our sin, it totally destroyed that. There was no more of a fellowship, of a relationship. We couldn't spend time with God because of our sin. Because we had fallen short, because we had willingly rejected him. We could no longer have fellowship with God. But because God loved us so much, he planned for his son to die for us, to pay for our sins, to to bring that relationship back together again. And Christ, he died on the cross so that we could walk with him and talk with him and spend time with him again. So that we could read of him from his word. So we could pray to him. So that we could go and tell others about him. So we could one day spend eternity with him in heaven. God, he, he loved us so much and he wants to freely receive us because he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And it's just so amazing to think that God would love us so. That God would, that he would die on the cross. That he would want to spend time with us. That he would want to have a relationship with us. And God, he freely receives us. And this is that word of reconciliation that's been given to us by God. But not only is there the word of reconciliation, secondly, there's the ministry of reconciliation. What is this ministry of reconciliation? In verse 18, it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
there's the word of reconciliation that Christ died on the cross for us. That, that Christ is willing to save any that will call upon him to be saved. And God, he's chosen us to preach that word of reconciliation. He's chosen us. I mean, it boggles my mind. God could have used so many different avenues. He could have used so many different things to preach his word. He could have sent angels to preach. He could have raised the dead back to life again. He could have used an audible voice in heaven. But he didn't. God chose to use us. He gave to us the word of reconciliation. And he wants us to preach that word of reconciliation. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, I have planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And God, he has chosen us to be laborers together with him. Of course, we can't save anyone. We all know that. But God has chosen to use us to preach that word to others. And we get to join together with God in this just miraculous work of salvation. We get to preach the word to those, to, to share the gospel truth with them. And he gives us this awesome opportunity. But it's God that gives the increase. And if you think of a, a farmer, if you think of how a farmer, how he'll go and he'll, he'll plant his seed or his crops, and I mean, he'll do everything he can. He'll make sure that the ground is all ready. He'll make sure the weeds are pulled out. He'll make sure he waters it. He'll check the weather to make sure it's sunny and, and all of this. He'll do all he can to make sure that the plants grow. But really, if you think about it, if God doesn't give life to those plants, <laughs> they're never going to grow. But the same is true. I mean, you think of a farmer, a lazy farmer who just plants his crops and does nothing. I mean, there's weeds growing everywhere. There's, there's just all of this mess. I mean, he doesn't water it at all. But if God gives life to that, those crops, if he gives life to that seed, then it'll grow. And the same is true with the gospel message as God's given us. He's given us the seed of his word. He's given us the seed to share to a lost and dying world. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Here Paul is saying that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they hear without a preacher? How can they believe on someone they've never heard? How is this possible? He says, well, it's not. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we must go and bring this word to a lost and dying world. 
Because God works through his word. God is the one that brings the increase. God is one that gives life to the seed. God is the one that works. But he's called us to come alongside and to bring the seed to those that need it. God has called us to bring the word because through the word is faith. Comes faith. And through the word God works. Through the word God will save. And we must be faithful in the ministry of reconciliation. We must be willing to go and share this seed with a lost and dying world. We must be willing to go because God, he's loved us so much. He's, he's done so much for us. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. And he's called us to go and share that word with others. And in order to be a faithful minister of reconciliation, he's called us, God has called us to be ambassadors ambassadors of him. In verse 20, it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Here he's saying, as though God did beseech you by us, in Christ's stead. And as we look at what is an ambassador, what does an ambassador do? Most countries have ambassadors that, that go to many different countries. They have an, I mean, our country, we'll have an ambassador to, I mean, pretty much every country that I can think of. We have ambassadors that represent, our, our country will have a, uh, an ambassador that represents the president, that represents our country. And Christ has called us to be ambassadors to represent Christ. And ambassadors, there's, there's many ways ambassadors are to represent their country, but these are two simple, but they're essential ways. If they don't have these, they cannot be a true ambassador. First off, an ambassador must live like the one they represent. An ambassador is probably the closest thing to the president that they'll see. Unless the president specifically goes to that country and speaks at that country. If it's a smaller country, they'll probably never see the president in person. But they'll see the ambassador. They'll see the representation of that president. And Christ has called us to be a representation of him. But can I ask you, could someone see Christ in you like they should? Could someone live like Christ if they followed your life? Let's say someone was to follow you all week long. And they were to do all the things you did. If they were to listen to all the things you listened to they were to say all the things you said, if they were to watch all the things you watched, if they were to hang out with the people you hung out with, if they were to act just like you act for one week, would they be living like Christ? If someone lived just like you, would they be living like Christ? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Paul is saying, I, I'm doing my best to live for Christ, to live like Christ. Be followers of me. Here, I, I'm trying to do these things that God's word has shown us to do. Follow my example, because I am doing my best to live like Christ. Sure, none of us are perfect. Sure, some of us, uh, all of us will mess up at times. But God has called us to live like him. So can, can someone live like Christ after the way you live? This last week, was there areas in your life that you could change? Were there areas in your life that need improvement? 
I, I know in my life there are. I know in all of our lives we can improve in areas. And I pray that we will. And just like an ambassador, the closest thing to a true leader some people will see is you. And the closest thing that they will see to Christ is you. And sometimes the only Bible that they'll read is you. The only, the closest thing to Christ, the closest thing to God word, God's word that they'll ever see, that they'll ever read is you. Because Paul, again, he writes in 2 Corinthians, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men, forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with, spirit, with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Paul is saying, you are our epistle of Christ. You are the Bible that some people, that's all they'll ever read. There are people, I'm, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are people that I've come in contact with that I'm probably the closest thing to a Bible they'll ever see. I'm the closest thing to Christ that they'll ever see. And I'm sure there are people in all of our lives that we've come in contact with. That's the closest thing that Christ will ever see. But was it a good representation of Christ? Was, was it anywhere close? Or were we kind of doing our own thing? Were we kind of just living our own way? Not really thinking about it. Or were we living like Christ like he's commanded us to live? Were we being the Bible that we should be? As Paul spoke about. So an ambassador must live like the one they represent. Not only that, but an ambassador must share the message that they are given. They must share the message that the ambassador is given. The reason why they go to another country is to give messages from the home country of what they'd like to see done. What what they're expecting, what they want to see in this country. And God, too, has given us a message, the word of reconciliation. He's given us a message to share with a foreign land. You're not of the world. We are not of the world. Because Christ has changed us. He saved us. And we are ambassadors for Christ in a foreign land to share the gospel message, to share the word of reconciliation. And we should share it because... In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. For the love of Christ constraineth us. What is the word of reconciliation? That Christ loved us so much that he died on the cross for us, that he, that, that he paid for our sins, that he became sin for us. And all we have to do is believe and and ask Christ to forgive us of all our sins. Christ loved us so much. Yet do we love Christ like we should? Does the love of Christ constrain us? Does it compel us? Does it move us? And, And just we can't be restrained to tell others because God's done so much in our lives, we can't help but tell others. Does the love of Christ constrain us? Does it challenge us? Does it move us? Does it push us to go farther and tell more people? Because we should think about the love of Christ and what all he's done for us. And it should drive us to tell a lost and dying world because 
if we don't tell a lost and dying world, then we're just hiding it from them. They, they will never hear. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Sure, God can work in amazing, miraculous ways, and God can save whoever he wants to save, but he's chosen us to be used of him. And if we hide the gospel, if we don't tell others, all we're doing is hiding it from those that need to hear it the most. Because, I mean, if you already know the gospel and you've already trusted Christ, then (laughs) there's no use hiding it from them because they've already trusted. But the only people we're hiding the gospel from is from the lost. And we must be faithful ambassadors to live like Christ and to tell others of Christ. And we must be faithful ministers of reconciliation ministering and and telling and preaching the word of reconciliation. And then God will begin to bring results. And there are many results of reconciliation that I'd like to look at finally. What will happen? What will be the result of us preaching the word of reconciliation? What will God begin to do as we begin to preach the gospel? As we begin to go and live like Christ, and and tell others of Christ, what will God begin to do? Well, I believe, first off, it's very obvious that lives will be transformed. In verse 17 in the text, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we see that God will transform lives. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And God will begin to change lives forever. As you begin to see people come and and be saved and trust Christ. And as you begin to see God transforming their lives. they, They start leaving the sins that they were in. As they begin to love God more and come to church. And just as their whole life gets turned around. It's such a joy to see lives totally changed by God. It's such a joy to see God working a true miracle in someone's life. As people ask, well, does God work miracles today? Well, he does. Every time he saves a sinner, it's a miracle. And it's a visible result. As as their life begins to be transformed, we begin to give God the glory for doing such great things in their lives. But not only will lives be transformed, which is just a blessed thought, but laborers will also be added to the work. In 1 Corinthians chapter, nine, uh, chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are watched, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. That's a pretty hard list. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, extortioners, thieves and covetous. But Paul says, and such were some of you. 
But now they were members of a church. Now they were serving the Lord. Sure, the church at this time was kind of messed up. But as you read on in the second Corinthians, Paul begins to see the, the true transformation that's taking place as God is just tr- changing their lives. And these one-time lost sinners were transformed by God. And they were washed and they were made into not only saved, regenerate people, but God began to use them as laborers in the harvest. God began to use them to do his will in this earth. And think of Paul, his own life. Paul went from killing Christians to becoming one himself. And not only just becoming a Christian, but being used of God to reach the known world with the gospel. It'd be like someone like Osama bin Laden trusting Christ and, and reaching the known world with the gospel. It'd be something that we could never think of happening, but God can transform any life and bring anyone into the harvest because God is all-powerful. And God will transform lives and he will add laborers to come alongside us and help us in the work that he's called us to do. And it's just such an awesome privilege that we can have a part in this miraculous ministry of reconciliation. That, that God would allow us to have a part in telling others of him. That God didn't have to do it this way, but he chose to. He chose to use us to reach a lost and dying world. And it's my prayer that we would all preach the word of reconciliation as ambassadors of Christ. And then we'll begin to see the Lord transform lives and add laborers to come alongside us and help us to serve him more. So let us live like Christ and walk with Christ. And then we'll begin to see and watch him as he brings the increase, as he brings the fruit. Let us be faithful ministers of reconciliation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you would use us in your miraculous working, Lord. Sure, we know we can't save anyone, but Lord, you have called us to go and tell others, Lord, to to bring the word of God to them so that you can work, so that you will save souls. Lord, we praise you so much for your amazing grace in our lives and allowing us to trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to be faithful ministers of reconciliation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.